0: And we're back. <laughs> another, another episode of Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast.
1: <laughs> I never expect it, but it's always good.
0: <laughs> and my name is my name is John, and mm-hmm. and with me as always is my co-host Josh. Josh. How's it going, sir?
1: It's going quite well, John. John, there are amazing horror movies going on, and there are amazing horror TV shows going on, and mm-hmm. it is just so great to be around them when they happen.
0: It's horror tastic.
1: It is a good time to be a horror fan.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Which is
1: why we're gonna watch a uh, movie slash episode of a horror TV show from two thousand five. That's correct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of a kind of a notorious one sorta. The the show or this particular one, this episode. Oh, I didn't know that it had notoriety. Le- less so maybe than the one we were talking about earlier just because yeah. of its craziness, but
1: yeah, well, it's it's hard to beat that kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just allude and not say. Yes.
0: Good night. <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs> um
1: today john what are what what what, what are we watching today
0: <laughs> today we are we are watching uh, as you had mentioned from 2005 uh, wow. there was a a series of uh, short horror films each done by some famous horror director they're called the masters of horror and we're doing uh, Season 1, Episode 8, I believe it was. It's Cigarette Burns from the director, John Carpenter.
1: Dang, the director, John Carpenter. T. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I went in this expecting something else entirely because I didn't remember um, <laughs> what Cigarette Burns were. So I was like, oh, he's going to do like a weird torture movie?
0: Oh, yes. Well, for, yeah, for, for us old folk. Uh, cigarette burns uh, for people who have grown up in the digital film era mm-hmm. uh, were marks that were actually put on the reel, a film on a certain um, one of the you know one of the images, so that th- that would tell the projectionist to change reels. So when they saw that, they would know it was time to change reel. And it it just looked it was like a little circle mark up in the corner. Yeah, um, and people called them cigarette burns because that's what they looked like. Yeah,
1: they go by other names too Q marks and all sorts of things. I actually found an old uh, Reddit thread where people were joking about how no one calls it cigarette burns, (laughs) like no professionals in the industry call it cigarette burns. But then every single response was someone that like knew someone in the industry that called it by a different name. And so I feel like the fact that cigarette burns have been said for such a long time is maybe those people are wrong. (laughs)
0: Well, that figures.
1: Because, <laughs> um, yeah, this uh, this movie is uh, significantly about those. And it um, there's a whole like subliminal messaging plot line that you might recognize from uh, a plot point in a 1973 episode of Columbo called Double Exposure, where a murder was inspired by putting a subliminal image into a uh, movie reel. And it like came with the cigarette burns and everything. Dang. And also the 1999 film Fight Club, where they would splice in pornography. And there's even a scene where the dude is like pointing up to the upper right-hand corner of the screen where you see a cigarette burn happen.
0: Whoa. Yeah. You just blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. I remember remember going to movies and, and, you know, like once I had kind of, like, I'd always seen those, never really thought about it. Mm -hmm. And then... When I read about what they actually were, I it got to the point where I couldn't watch a movie without watching for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would become really distracting. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess like I guess because if if you figure out how long each reel is, you'd be able to like time it and figure out about when it's going to be there. But I don't know, maybe not. I don't know. No,
0: you can. I think it's, I, re- I forget how long it was. It seems like I want to say it was like around 20 minutes or something. Yeah. Um, so like every, you know, and what you would start to realize is the film would, a lot of films would be cut around those so that, you know, that little weird moment where they went from one reel to the other, where it wasn't perfectly edited there'd be like a little flash of black or something like that. Mm-hmm. They, they, would ha- they would make sure that something important would happen, you know, would be over before they would switch the reels. So you could always kind of sense it coming because it would go with the flow of the story a, a lot of times.
1: Oh, that makes a line from this movie make more sense to me because uh, I
0: was confused. Yeah, it was really weird. It's that's it's the kind of thing you don't notice unless you watch as many fucking movies <laughs> as I did growing up. movies. <laughs> Moosies. Yeah. This is a good Moosie.
1: <laughs> I'll just Moosie on over.
0: Moosie on over, Cooter. Cooter live. Ah, oh, Cooter's back! <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so, so this movie uh, signals itself as being very uh, 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 theater cinema-centric with its name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, uh, cigarette burns comes into play a lot in this movie in very strange ways. And it is actually a movie about a theater operator searching for a, uh, one of a kind legendarily cursed movie, like the only one of its kind print of a movie that like caused people to be shitty and murder each other or whatever, when it was shown one time at Sitch's whoa yeah or however it's pronounced
0: yeah it was uh yeah one of the prints was shown once at a at a movie festival and everybody went ape shit and basically like turned into some violent riot in the theater yeah and after that all previous planned screenings were canceled at the last minute and Mm -hmm. the film dropped into the land of legend and people have been looking for it forever
1: Yes, and the the government of Sitch's land, um apparently confiscated the reels and burned them, not knowing that they were a work in progress and one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a really cool setup for a movie. It's not at all like the ring or sinister or
0: Antrim, but you know, it's fun. No, no, no. it's not at all. Well, I mean it predates some of that stuff, but Yeah. Two two of the three it predates. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah,
1: it's fine. Horror is iterative.
0: And this is a really cool iteration. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's very much a self-referential thing about film in general, which is kind of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first time I watched this, I was like, what the fuck is this even
0: about? And then I watched it again. I was like,
1: oh, wait, I get it. OK, I see what <laughs>
0: you did there. It's meta.
1: Yeah, oh, and it predated the whole, like, Me Too and the Weinstein Brothers controversy and everything. Wow, good job, yeah. John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, yeah geez. Jeez. Jeez.
0: So, yeah, as always, by the way, guys, we're going to spoil it in case you're not familiar with our format.
1: Go watch it. It's good. It's part of the whole series of, the Master- of Masters of Horror. It's produced by Mick Garrick, and he got a whole bunch of his cool horror movie buddies to do
0: an episode each, and this is the John Carpenter one. What is it, Garrick? I thought it was Garrus. Is it Garrus? I don't know. I don't know. I know he wrote the screenplay for this, or at least co-wrote
1: it. Yeah, him and two other folks, not John Carpenter, which is weird. Like, I don't know how much of this is John Carpenter and how much of this is
0: those writer guys. It seems like they wrote the screenplays for a lot of them, um, because I was looking at a few of the others in the series, and at least Garrus co-wrote a bunch of them. Of course, he directed, I think, one in each of the two there was only two seasons
1: there is actually a secret third season but it was under a different name and on a different station
0: whoa whoa (laughs) once again you've blown my mind holy shit (laughs) must have been really bad if it was a secret
1: it was like they they like
0: evil maybe it was evil
1: I don't I doubt it because these aired on Showtime and The Secret 3rd Season aired on NBC.
0: Oh. So my.
1: probably a, less
0: evil. <laughs> what a what a bummer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like okay, and they got it's all Saturday night live great. Okay. Ch- cheers and next up Masters of Horror great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Uh, Let's see. Um, This movie stars Norman Reedus as Kirby. Mm -hmm. He is Norman Reedus, and you don't need need me to, you know, list what he's been in. No. Uh, No. It also stars Udo Kier as Bellinger. Oh, Uh, yes. Yeah. Udo Kier has, at the time of recording, 269 actor credits on his IMDb page. That's a lot in his first... Short film. The first thing that he was in was a short film called "Road to Saint Tropez," in which he played quote boy in
0: 1966. <laughs> Saint
1: Tropez. Yeah. Whoa! Really?
0: <laughs> yeah, the French, uh, uh, the French resort town. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Whatever, Saint yeah. Tropez. I stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> Tropez. <laughs> Wow. I, uh, I pronounce things like a dad.
0: <laughs> that was, hey, y'all want to go to St. Tropas?
1: <laughs> now listen to me pronounce the names of famous athletes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, let's see. He has been in Charles Matton's Spermula, which we absolutely have to watch at some point because it wow. looks amazing.
0: <laughs> Whoa!
1: He was in Dario Argento's Suspiria. Mm-hmm. He was in a film called Das Fütigtbot, wow. as well as uh, Sequest DSV, Ace mm-hmm. Ventura Pet Detective, Johnny Mnemonic, Barbwire, Shadow of the Vampire, Dogville, Iron Sky, Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, and Rob Zombie's The Lords of Salem.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. He was also in the uh, Lars von Trier TV series The Kingdom. Oh, and oh, man, is he great in that. Wow. He's got some major Lars von Trier action, Dogville and the Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's insane. He's 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 a lot of fun to watch on screen.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of a um, you,
0: you think he's other actors until you know his name and you're like, oh, it's this guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, like you said, 276 credits. The odds are, if you like movies, you've seen this guy many times. Yeah, he's been in a lot of things for a long time.
1: So that's over 55 years of acting. That's a long time to be an
0: actor. Yeah, he's 143 years (laughs) old.
1: he was perfect for shadow of the vampire (laughs) they just didn't do makeup fun fact (laughs) Uh, this movie also stars gwyneth well not stars uh features in a scene gwyneth walsh walsh as katja uh, you might know her better as Chief Examiner Namira in an episode of Star Trek Voyager, or as Bator in Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and the movie Star Trek Generations. <laughs> in this movie, she does not have butt head makeup on, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> Whoa.
1: Yeah. And because this is technically an episode of a TV show and not actually just a movie, it is full of actors that are from TV shows. Uh, A lot of them were in one or another of the Stargate TV series and later would go on to appear in the CW's
0: Arrowverse shows. Dang.
1: So quality, the acting in this movie slash (laughs) episode.
0: Yeah, it's top notch. Oh man,
1: Norman Reedus at his utmost.
0: God. What a dream boat, though, huh?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, this is this is really good before he looked rugged and just looked kind of like a chubby little boy. Yeah, I know. He's got a little
0: pudgy face.
1: Yeah, and his hair.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the old <Dumbass>. Rita's hair. <laughs> <laughs> so go watch
1: it. It's it's pretty good.
0: It is. It's pretty good. It's it's high concept. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might have to watch it twice if you're like me. <laughs> And the first time through, you're like, I'm confused. I don't get it. (laughs) So come back and we'll spoil the whole thing. Yep. And now we've come back. Welcome back. I'm glad that you went and watched that. John,
0: spoil the whole thing. Oh, so many people dies. Yeah, a lot of people dies. A lot of people dies. There's some weird... Mm-hmm. German voiced, like hairless, muscular, leather dude, murder. Mm-hmm. There's murders mm-hmm. on screen, murders off screen, angel uh, woundings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, there's a, it's a, a lot of crazy shit going on for one hour.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of crazy shit for one hour and also a strange amount of like elongated stretches of boring
0: nothing happening <laughs> for an hour, which is weird. Yeah, it that somehow managed to pack all that in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is literally a movie in which Norman Reedus's
0: character has a
1: series of meetings with different people at different times
0: in different settings on different continents. It's basically the ninth gate cut in half.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It is not unlike that. <laughs> I guess that makes Norman Reedus Johnny Depp cut in half.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. The only difference is that it was not. It was not made by a pedophile starring a wife beater. Whoa. <laughs> and- <laughs> I had to mean to bring the mood down there. Damn, now I'm depressed.
1: <laughs> I don't know who directed it, but I trust that that is true. Uh, Roman Polanski. <laughs> okay. No, it's and, and Johnny fine. Depp. It's fine. We were just taking photographs in that room. It's fine. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. That guy. Yeah. yeah. What a great human being. <laughs> Friend of Bob Clark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't hold that against Bob Clark because he's yeah.
0: awesome. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> You're a great man, Bob Hart, rest in power. Indeed. Uh, so this movie starts where uh, it kind of sounds like the Unsolved Mystery theme music, and it turns out that this is actually Cody Carpenter's premiere as a composer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's very
0: big, 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 big,
1: big, 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 And uh, <laughs> the movie opens with uh, Norman Reedus' Kirby pulling up to a fancy house where Udo Kier's Mr. Bellinger is waiting for him.
0: Mr. Bellend.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, the house is full of electric candle operas that look real shitty, and also horror movie posters that look awesome. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, in Bellinger's office, there's a big pair of angel wings mounted to the wall, uh, as is a movie poster for La Fine Absolue de uh, Monde. Kirby decides to comment on the latter and not the former. <laughs> We learned that this movie only played once at Sitch's in 1971 when the audience erupted into violence. The only print was seized by the government and
0: destroyed. Movie over.
1: (laughs) It's like those those summaries. Like, what if this had happened in Star Wars? Uh, Bellinger says that the film was not, in fact, destroyed, and that the angel wings behind him are a prop from the film. "Quote: I'm a bit obsessive about la fine absolue du monde." <laughs> well, yeah, they say the name of the movie a lot, and they all say it
0: differently. Yes, they do, and none of them say it right. No, <laughs> which is why I won't try Saint Tropez. Saint Tropez. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ugh. Uh, in addition to having a similar soundtrack to Unsolved Mysteries, we see that the lighting and cinematography are about, uh, at about that same level. Uh, everything is dark red, brown, and dim, and the sets look like bad TV leftovers from previous decades. God, they really do. It's so bad. Especially the electric candelabras
0: are just <laughs> really
1: <laughs> a weird choice.
0: Yeah, not classy.
1: <laughs> for For a place that's like a crazy ass horror movie castle, it's just just full of like garbage props.
0: <laughs> it's going can the that he bought at Target for Halloween. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not even the cool light bulbs that flicker, it's just a regular light bulb, just shitty old
1: light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bellinger says he wouldn't call Kirby at such a late hour for something that made a schoolgirl dizzy. He's talking about something with real power. Thus begins this movie's weird relationship with women. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It turns out that he was at the Sitches Festival, where <laughs> Le Vieux Absolu du Monde uh, was, was shown, <laughs> but instead of seeing it, he went to see the abominable Dr. Phoebes instead, because he wanted to meet Vincent Price, which probably good from what we see of this movie it looks like it kind of (laughs) sucks no that movie is awesome (laughs) no 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 i mean le film absolutely
0: oh you mean yeah that one
1: that one looks like it sucks there's like a one of the shots that we get is like a skinny rock dude with no shirt and like a studded belt leaning backwards so you can see his cum gutters (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the kind of movie la absolutely
0: is. yeah it does it looks really really fucking bad <laughs> yeah. looks like some terrible like art film project or something for high school yeah which is
1: sad because
0: this movie spends so much time talking about that movie and then
1: like the parts from it look real bad <laughs> yeah
0: it's true
1: they could have <laughs> i don't know it's fine. A screening was also announced in 1983, but was then canceled when the building burned to the ground.
0: Hmm. <laughs> wah, wah.
1: <laughs> he gives Kirby all of his research, which is just a thin manila envelope full of some shit that we never see. <laughs> and uh, he tells him to go find it. I'll pay you. It's a quote. It's out there. My sources are unimpeachable. Uh, and then Belliger takes him to his creepy conservatory where a weird, tall, pale monster guy with a pair of wing wounds sticking out of his back is chained to a slowly spinning platform. <gasps>
0: Yeah, what the fuck? He's like on a lazy Susan.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like what you would put a really nice car on at a car show, but he's got his <laughs> angel on it.
0: But this is like a living scrotum with like wispy hair on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, what if, uh, what if, I don't know, the elephant man was good at standing? Yeah,
0: that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at this point, Belliger throws an ice cube at him like an asshole, and it makes a horrible noise and then starts talking to it like an asshole using a different voice. And it, it instructs it to tell Kirby what it knows. It says, We are bound to the film negative like soul to flesh. We would know if it had been destroyed. So it's kind of like halfway between the Elephant Man and Gollum. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, angels are the ugliest fucking things that have ever existed. Oh man,
1: just like a like a nine head, and God, it just will
0: not stop being pale. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ! If you die and go to heaven, you have to hang out with these fucking things. Yeah, yeah. He he's
1: gonna he's gonna go meet up with the Elephant Man and Powder Guy.
0: <laughs> hey
1: guys, what's going on? <laughs> Wanna watch a
0: movie? <laughs> Sorry it took me so long. Someone cut my wigs off. <laughs> Uh,
1: all of this is to say, it is like a pretty impressive moment when you walk in there and see it. But then it, it's one of those situations where, whenever you see the monster for long enough, it get, starts to get less impressive. <laughs> it just, just pathetic. Yeah. So yeah, at first glance, it's like, ooh, cool monster. And then over the course of the film, it's just another character, kind of.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty, pretty impotent character. At yeah.
1: <laughs> He, he likes to pet Baldingman's hair. That we will find <laughs> out. Yeah. Um, Bellinger says he knows he will go to hell, but he wants to at least taste heaven first. And for him, watching <laughs> La Fin of is that taste of heaven. <laughs> he says he'll pay Kirby's expenses plus $100,000 and give him the film uh, so he can run it exclusively for two weeks at his theater, Kirby is like "Mm, $200,000 and the guy's like, oh, okay, fine, dude.
0: (laughs) You probably could have asked for more. I know. I (laughs) could have asked for his entire fortune, really, because the guy that plans on dying. Yeah. He said he's not healthy and he's, you know, he's on his way out and all this shit.
1: Yeah. And literally the only person that we see this guy talk to ever is Kirby, his creepy angel and his Asian butler. Fung. Yeah. Fung is that Fung. really his name?
0: that's the butler's name
1: fantastic <laughs> <laughs> it's okay nothing happens with a weird Asian
0: style sword later on yeah and, and there's nothing racist about Fung no nothing at all I hear a for you in the foyer <laughs> oh, no. it's like uh, Jesus Christ really? Where are we going with this?
1: <laughs> is this part of the criticism of the movie
0: industry? <laughs> God, Jesus, why is this necessary? <laughs> oh, um... <laughs>
1: Uh, so that, that ends that part of the movie. Um, Kirby goes back to his theater called Vogue, which, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Vogue. Okay. <laughs> we see some dude cutting a single frame, which I accidentally spelled FINGLE frame, out yeah. of a reel of Dario Argento's Profondo Rosso.
0: Yeah, Giallo. Yeah,
1: there it is. Kirby at his desk is thinking about a woman in a picture that he's looking at, and we flash back to her singing his name. It's Kirby Sweetman, Are You My Sweet Man? And it is real cringy. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have broken up with her right there. Yeah, I did not like it. And in fact, apparently he didn't like it so much that we then see him injecting drugs into her arm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lovingly, like he's got his arms wrapped around her. She's like cooing against his chest as he shoots her up with heroin
0: or whatever. Nothing says love like heroin
1: or whatever. (laughs) Nothing says love like, I guess she doesn't know how to do it herself. (laughs) Yeah um then we see kirby talking to the dude from before that had been cutting a frame out of the reel uh we find out that the dude cuts out the cigarette burns from movies and this one he had to get because it's an argento film he talks about all of the stuff about how you know they tell you like whenever he's like you when you see that bug and you know something's about to happen And if you take it out, it's anarchy that I completely didn't get until we, you, you mentioned that it like, that's how they edited the film is to make sure that that thing happens before the switchover.
0: Yeah. I mean, the anarchy thing doesn't make any sense unless, unless he, when he takes the reels back down and sends them to the next theater, the guy has no fucking clue when to change the reels. I guess that's what he means by anarchy. (laughs) I guess. But, uh, Which is really just a dick move, more than anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's basically uh, kind of semi ruining a reel
0: yeah. of a classic film. Check it right. out, I've got a binder full of cigarette burns. <laughs> yeah,
1: he does. It's like it's like a uh, like the little three ring binder that you use for baseball cards, but he has all of these movies <laughs> that he's ruined. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> What a great character, I guess, if you're trying to criticize a very specific part of the film industry.
0: I know. What an easy character to have murdered. He's still alive.
1: <laughs> this is definitely <laughs> one of the ones that should die. Yeah. I, I guess he survives because there's not a vagina nearby him. <laughs> yes, exactly. He remembers himself and his girlfriend being really strung out and them asking her dad to buy them this movie theater. And we see that it's a loan not a gift. And the dad says to him, don't make me sorry. And then we get a flash of her in a bathtub with blood squirting out of her wrist wounds. Yeah, and he's made her sorry or made him sorry. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good job, Kirby. Then back in the present, her dad shows up uh, wanting his 200,000 exact dollars back. I guess that was the loan that he gave Kirby to buy this movie theater for his
0: drug addict daughter. Yeah, it's it's a little weird.
1: The decision making <laughs> in, in this little triad of people does not make any sense.
0: No, not not a not a bright bunch this group. Yeah,
1: it's it's the this is the storyline that's going on like the the personal story alongside the the <laughs> story. And this is the scene where Norman Reedus's acting is real bad whenever he's talking to this dad dude he's like no being around you is so good <laughs> how the hell did this guy get a career out of this I don't know because <laughs> it is real bad it is it is obvious that he's like reading a cue card behind the dude's back and <laughs> and just just reading the line more than delivering it it's, it's not good
0: we're totally gonna pay you back <laughs> yeah
1: yeah And uh, the the dad is very excited by the prospect of him not getting his money back because he has a gun and he's apparently looking forward to coming back here and tearing the theater down.
0: With his gun.
1: Yeah, with his gun. He's going (laughs) to shoot it down.
0: He's going to murder people and tear a theater down with a pistol. Yeah. Fantastic.
1: So we find out that first Kirby is going to go to some movie critic's house in upstate New York in his journey to find
0: the film. Yeah, a film critic whose last name is Myers. Michael Myers, get it? Is that really what's going on there? Yes, it was a little nod to Michael Myers. Great. <laughs> Superb. Love it when they do that. Love it when they do that. Don't care. <laughs> yeah
1: no one cares um <laughs> let's see uh he goes to the house it's a house uh the guy doesn't want to talk until Kirby finally mentions that he's there to talk about, <laughs> about la fin absolue de la. <laughs> and uh this the movie critic buzzes him into his farmhouse <laughs> B-
0: buzzes him into his shithole farmhouse yeah <laughs>
1: Uh, inside, we see that he's some sort of like crazy hoarder. Uh, he has stacks and stacks of thousands of pages of like regular printer paper, not newspapers, but regular printer paper bound in a variety of ways. Also with just loose sheets all over the place. It looks awesome.
0: Yeah, it's like a Neil Stevenson manuscript.
1: Whoa, I don't know <laughs> what that means. <laughs> <Whatever>.
0: Moving on. <laughs> i'm just gonna leave that right there
1: yeah that's that's for the special fans yeah uh and the reason that he buzzed him in is that he's too busy typing to stop typing he's just will not stop typing um he goes he has a whole long speech and this is gonna be one of the very many speeches in this movie (laughs) It is so speechy. He says, quote, we trust filmmakers. We sit in the dark, daring them to affect us, secure in the knowledge that they won't go too far. Uh, He says the director of (laughs) La Fin Absolute, Hans Bakovic, was a terrorist that abused the trust we put in filmmakers. He says, if anything, the violence at the movie theater was downplayed. He watched four people die. It smelled like a slaughterhouse. (laughs) Fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. He said that Bakovic told him what was going to happen beforehand and that it was all on purpose. Uh, They sat down to an interview before the film was shown, and he recorded the whole interview on a shitty little sound recording
0: device. Yeah, apparently the recording was made in uh, 1940. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's,
0: Even though it was just a few years prior.
1: Yeah, it's a wax
0: etching. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, We find out that all of
1: these stacks of paper are his new review of the film because his original interview, uh, his original review sucked and didn't capture it. So all of these thousands upon thousands of pages are his new review. And he says he's almost finished now.
0: Yay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh. He gives kirby the tape of his interview and tells him that if he manages to find it he hopes to see it again quote i've dreamed about it every night for 30 years and seen yeah that
0: was that was quality yeah
1: just just the first of many interview slash meetings that really feel like they don't do very much all of this was just to build up more of the uh, the uh, mythological hype of the movie, and also now Kirby has the tape of the interview, which doesn't really matter. Not a lot. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> um, on the interview, we hear back of it say, narrative is dead, Hollywood is shit, film is not entertainment. Then Kirby sees a fiery ring appear in the middle of the screen, and it scares the shit out of him. Like some kind of... Cigarette burn. (laughs) But in the middle of the screen instead of off to the side. Yeah. Yeah. And he sees it and we see it. We all see see it it
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're infected too.
1: Oh shit. We're getting closer to it. (laughs) Um, He sees the shadow of a woman in the bathroom and hears them get into a bathtub, uh, opens the door and sees his blood squirting girlfriend dead. And then her face appears in a cigarette burn in the middle of the screen. And she's screaming.
0: Yeah, it's really scary. Ooh.
1: He then gets a wake up call, bonjour, bonjour, monsieur sweet man. And it's uh, apparently he's in France now. Maybe that was a little thing at the bottom that I missed. I don't know, but he's in France now.
0: No, there's a stock. There's a uh, oh, is that is that right before they show the stock shot of Paris?
1: Yeah,
0: I think so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and we are in Paris. Don't ignore the fact that it's so grainy. Oh. And clearly, we got it off the internet or something. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. Baguette! <laughs> uh, now he's <laughs> pacing around in some French dude's office like an asshole. And I guess he's a, it's at like some sort of film archival place because they talk about how they're reorganizing the archives. Mhm. Is it Sitchs? Is this like The Office of Sitches? Sure. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't think so. It looked like it was like the National French Film Archive or some bullshit.
1: Yeah. It's it's strange and it yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. the guy's name is Henri. And uh, he tells him that he's looking for la fine absolute doom. And uh, the guy called, Henri calls Kirby a foof. And uh, Kirby's <laughs> like, I may not know much French, but I know when you're making fun of me. Um, and then they continue to have an entirely meaningless and time-wasting conversation that doesn't add anything to the storyline. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. He finds a list of all of the crew for the movie, and we see that everyone is dead, except the director, Hans Bakovic, and the cinematographer, Patent League. This will turn out to
0: not matter. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he just talks about how the guy got all fucked up during the making of the movie, and then we never hear about him again. Maybe go visit him. Well, you see, the last person that visited him had to get stitches. Uh well snitches get stitches. At Stitches. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <sighs> Henri says that Bakovic is also dead, so <laughs> apparently that list is just out of date. <laughs> and uh, after Kirby pretends to leave, he calls someone and says on the phone in French, La fin absolue du monde. <laughs> and then later, Kirby comes back. We have a scene cut, and now Kirby is back <laughs> later when it's darker yeah, for yeah. some
0: reason. <laughs> yeah, just, he's left for hours, and he came back to, to finish his thought.
1: Yeah, I wonder if maybe he, maybe like... When they made the movie he went and visited Patton league and then came back and was like you're a piece of shit but then they just had to cut that
0: part out and maybe because you know and then he had to go to the doctor and get stitches <laughs>
1: <laughs> where did you get these wounds at stitches <laughs> um uh kirby yeah he comes back he tells the dude that he's been seeing the circles and the dude Henri says it's only going to get worse from here and uh apparently people see cigarette burns when they look for the film and they get worse as the person gets closer to it we find out that Henri was the projectionist at a private screening in 1988 but once he started the film he lost lost his nerve and looked away from the screen And then people started screaming, and once he smelled blood, he decided to try to stop the movie, but then he blacked out and woke up, and his
0: hand is all melty now. Yeah, his hand's all fused into, like, a mannequin hand. Yeah, it looked really dumb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now I woke up with a
1: dumb hand. now the masturbating is not as easy.
0: (laughs) It is more like a slapping. (laughs) I like to slap my fab. <laughs> uh,
1: and then he gives him the business card to some asshole and says, uh, "This dude's dangerous. Don't call him. Here you go. Here's his phone number."
0: Yeah, who the fuck is this guy anyway?
1: I don't know. He's like
0: some guy. <laughs> Here you go. Don't call this guy. And apparently they have like a
1: working relationship. Henri and Kirby do because like. henry's okay with him pacing around in front of his desk looking at papers it's like what are you looking for this time (laughs) yeah it's it's dumb it's not nice um and this is the halfway point of this film
0: god is it really
1: it is you know to this point nothing has happened (laughs) yeah no kidding Then we see Kirby takes a tacky to a tacky, whoa, a taxi to some creepy warehouse. Uh, He pays the taxi driver extra uh, if they will just stick around until he gets back because he doesn't want to be left alone at this creepy warehouse where two goons are waiting for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the goons escort him to a creepy dude, and Kirby sees a box that says, La femme, La Femme, and he says, It's not for me, it's for a client, out of nowhere, and it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't really matter who it's for. It really doesn't, because that's not what this guy cares about, it turns out. No, no. <laughs> Get ready for the least comfortable part of the movie. <laughs> Jesus. Um creepy dude's like you've had your first glim says and he uh he says that he has a phone number that he calls to get in touch with the bakovic estate uh they give him cool things like i guess this box full of stuff or whatever um and then as uh as kirby's like going through the stuff he's like i've always wanted to make my own films but i detest the falseness of hollywood i would rather die than make something false Um, inside the crate labeled La Fine Absolute Monde, we see that there are photos, possibly still shots from the movie. We see a photo of the angel dude, but his wings are still attached, and there are children running around him. And then Mm -hmm. we see, like, a a profile of someone in the shadows carrying a, a curved kukri blade, and there's also one really cool shot of, like, uh, someone running down a street with around trees and the sky looks like blood and pulpy flesh. hmm. Yeah, that one was cool. Yeah, that was that was all right. Yeah. Then the goons grab Kirby and creepy dude tranquilizes him. Uh, yeah. And then it gets good. Oh, man. Then it gets real good. Kirby comes too, and he has been lightly duct taped to a chair. (laughs) Uh, The goons are tag team, like tandem working a very small camera. (laughs) There are spotlights all over the place. We see that the taxi driver has been vaguely duct taped to a chair across from Kirby. And creepy dude shows up He's now shirtless, and he is wearing a leather Zorro mask. (laughs) It's
0: like, oh, man.
1: (laughs) Here it comes. (laughs) He is carrying a machete, and he approaches the taxi driver from behind. He chops into the taxi driver's neck. She has been conscious and not made a single sound this entire time uh he then pushes her head to the side so the wound he created will gape wider and allow the blood to squirt out more hosily
0: yeah she she apparently uh, uh to you know had very very high blood pressure mm-hmm. yeah yeah
1: probably a good like this is saving her a lot of medical bills from like hypertension medicine <laughs> and stuff yeah it
0: was very sweet of him yeah
1: and yeah she at no point complains or has a line
0: no, yeah. no, it's not. Her death, not relevant. Not
1: not really relevant to this dude. Um, nope. And all throughout this whole scene, he is relating the blade to editing a film and how uh, the way that you edit a film will either tell you a lie or tell the truth. He then starts chopping away a little bit more uh, energetically until he fully decapitates the body and then carries her head around by the hair. And he says, quote, one take, one inter- uninterrupted shot. The only cut was to her. I turned her into art. Something happens when you point the camera at something terrible. The resulting film takes on power. And then he takes off the small strip of duct tape that is preventing Kirby from speaking. And Kirby immediately goes into his own speech and not like, uh, hey, let's not kill me, too. He says, no, it doesn't. Cinema isn't powerful. It doesn't
0: reveal some hidden truth. It's just fucking murder. Yeah, I love that they're having a murder conversation. Mm -hmm. Like in the midst of a murder, they're just chit-chatting away. It's very artistic. It's like, oh, thank you for removing this because I just wanted to say. Yeah, I would like to refute that claim. God. And also, I, I would also like to point out that if I was Mick Garris, and I wrote that dialogue, and and then I actually thought that I would turn that in as completed dialogue, I, I would deserve to be murdered. Because that is fucking terrible dialogue.
1: It's pretty bad. Uh, I think it is all supposed to be very symbolic, but it sucks. And uh Yeah. I don't, it's I did,
0: fucking terrible.
1: Yeah. I didn't really like anything about the scene at all.
0: I'm not a big Garris fan. I'm trying to remember the movies he's made. I, he's one of those guys I've lo- like, oh, I don't know this guy. And then I look him up and I'm like, oh, that's why. Because his movies are shit. <laughs> oh,
1: God. Shots fired. Yeah, I mostly know him from like documentaries about horror movies and like not watching his horror movies. I don't yeah. even know what he does uh, except this well we're gonna find out yeah (laughs) (laughs) creepy dude then climbs into kirby's lap and starts Mm -hmm. grinding and humping away while talking and we see that he has this tattoo that runs from one wrist across his back to the other wrist and it's just a a a length of film with the Mm -hmm. little like scene lines and everything and um uh he says that Bakovic was an excellent editor, and that the movie works subliminally, but the power was from spilled blood. He says, quote, what if you got hold of an angel and sacrificed it on camera? And then Kirby starts seeing cigarette burns while the creepy dude keeps talking about nonsense and then a big cigarette burn flashes across the screen and suddenly kirby isn't tied up he's got the machete now and the goons are dead and the camera and lighting is all trashed and the lady's body is gone and creepy dude's neck is cut open and so kirby reaches down and grabs him by the neck wound and starts punching him in the face <laughs> tell me where the film is and the dude just says "cutcha" before he dies Yeah, yeah, sure did. did. Yeah, him grabbing him by the neck wound could have looked cool, but we didn't see the neck wound until afterwards. And it's just a really bad piece of makeup.
0: Yeah, that was it was uh, a lost opportunity.
1: Yeah, the uh, the implication is, is that he like reaches his hand into the neck wound and grabs him by the inside of his neck guts. But uh, we don't really get to see that, which, you know, TV budget.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they
1: they blew it all on chopping that nice lady's head off.
0: They really did. It was a pretty decent effect there.
1: It was. It's also very, very
0: uncomfortable to watch. It is. It's extremely misogynistic. This whole film is.
1: Yeah. and I I do think it's the point. Like, I don't think that the, the, fi- I don't know. We'll get to it.
0: Um. By the way, if, like if I just have a quick aside here.
1: Yes. Are you going to um, talk about Mick Gare whatever?
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk about Mick Garris. Mick Garris made Sleepwalkers, Critters 2. Uh, you know, he had a huge, a big involvement with the Masters of Horror stuff, wrote most of the scripts and directed a couple of the films. Um, probably his best work. Uh, he did Writing the Bullet, oh. Psycho 4. Okay. Four. Uh he, <laughs> Yeah, he made a, he made, he basically just made a bunch of shit. And then the, I'm saving the best to last, He he made... Uh the the version of the shining, the TV made for TV one in ninety seven. Oh. It is is right up there with my top five worst things I've ever seen in my life.
1: But that one's supposed to be uh uh more faithful to the
0: book, John. Yeah, it, it is extremely <laughs> faithful to the book. The book, which is fucking boring. And <laughs> and that TV series sucks balls. It's like the one thing that isn't faithful to the book, there, there, there aren't neon colored lights everywhere in the book. For some reason, he thought it would be cool to light everything in like purple and green neon, and then have that fucking dickhead from Wings on the show, <laughs> who is is like supposed to be scary. Uh,
1: it's it's the preferred version
0: of Stephen King fans, John. Well, you have to look at it like this. Stephen King is clearly in love with himself. Oh yeah. And so when when he saw uh you know, he saw Kubrick's version of The Shining, you know, his reaction was this isn't anything like this amazing masterpiece that I wrote. Yeah. Why wouldn't why wouldn't he want to, you know, make it more like this f- amazing book that I wrote? And the reason is because that book's a piece of shit. It has a great idea, but it's fucking terrible. I, that's one of the that's one of the few books I couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. Like I I wanted to, and I just couldn't. There's other books that I'm just like I start them, and I'm like, fuck, this book's terrible, and I don't go any further. But I read like three quarters of this fucking thing. It has like I think it's forty thousand pages, and uh, <laughs> and I got to about two thirds, three quarters of the way in, and just said, you know what? I don't fucking care anymore. And I stopped reading it. <laughs>
1: That is, oh man, we're gonna alienate ourselves to Stephen King horror fans. Uh that is how I do with any time I've ever picked up a Stephen King book.
0: The only Stephen King book I've read that I really liked. Oh, actually I read Misery when because I was on vacation somewhere and they they had a like a shelf of books in that it was a cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. And nice. they had a, they had a shelf of books, and it was like a bunch of romance novels and shit. And the only book that was interesting to me was Misery, and I read it, and it was actually fun. No, oh. um, I, uh, you know, I, it, you have to kind of look at the environment I was in. I, it was kind of like a uh, trapped, you know, like I. <laughs> it was the only book I had to read, but uh, but it was pretty good. Um, I tried to read the Stand, no dice. Uh, yeah. Carrie was okay. Blah 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 and uh the only book i like that, that really like that he wrote was on writing the one about writing
1: oh yeah the one where he talks about uh having to push a lot <laughs> yeah he talks about
0: the process of writing and and the mechanics and you know his career how he got started and stuff it's actually really interesting it's a good book
1: yeah you you know it'll really ruin that book for you john what's that listen to the audiobook version that he reads
0: oh god <coughs> <laughs> Now like, let me tell. I want to tell you the story now about why we wrote Carrie,
1: <laughs> because he thinks that line about having to push is hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, Stephen King's a jackweed.
1: Yeah, he, he he seems like a cool enough dude on Twitter. It's just yeah, that
0: is actually the On Writing is the only one of his books that I've read all the way through. <laughs> I, do, I do. I'm I'm being a jackass. I mean, I do like Stephen King. I think that he's got you know i mean the fact that he's able to write so much i think is really cool that oh yeah it's amazing that anybody's able to come up with stuff and the fact that his books you know some of his books are granted you know a lot of people find them convoluted probably i would too because i don't even want to read them they sound so convoluted but Mm -hmm. putting that much shit in a book's pretty interesting i guess for a lot of people it's pretty creative and he has come up with some great ideas um you know, and so he's, he's come up with some great stories, uh, but man, oh, Jerusalem's Lot is a great book, actually.
1: Salem's Lot. Is Jer—is it Jerusalem's Lot? Is that the name of the book?
0: Jerusalem's Lot is kind of like a prequel about, oh, about like, uh, the, the, they just made a TV movie adaptation of it for one of the cable channels, oh, um, cool. starring, uh what's his nuts that actor with the big nose
1: okay
0: <laughs> it was in the piano or uh, the piano playing whatever okay I, 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 you know i'm gonna stop talking about stephen king <laughs> dean coons everyone by way of McGarris. garris <laughs> by the way mick, and one last thing about mick garris do it cut your fucking hair bro
1: Dirty hippie, get a job.
0: <laughs> as long as I'm acting like alienating ninety percent of the two people that listen to our show, yeah, Kenny G's horrible brother, Mick Garris. yeah, Mick Garris, go yeah. fuck yourself. Mick Garrick. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: You know, uh my boss was just telling me uh, she went on vacation to the the hotel that um that uh, the shining was based on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that reminded me of a former coworker of ours.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my.
1: Yeah, the one that went to the real one, you know, the actual hotel one, the one that's in Washington or whatever. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, dear
0: God. <laughs> Something about a soundtrack. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway,
1: so Kirby decides that he's going to now go visit Katja Uh, Mm -hmm. from that single word slash name. He knows the address. It is in Vancouver and it is at a high rise. Uh, We see that it is Miss Bakovic. which I guess, does that make sense? Is that how Miss and Mrs.
0: works? Well, I thought she was his... At first, I thought she was his daughter. Nay. Then I realized she was probably his wife, right? Yay. Yeah, I don't know why she would be Miss. Because yeah. he died, so she's Miss. No, she would, she would remain Misses, wouldn't she?
1: If she... I feel like if she kept the last... I
0: don't know. Yeah, I that do doesn't never. make any sense. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: yeah. But I don't know how it works. I only recently found out that, like... That, like, part of the weird marriage thing is that sometimes women give up their middle name and their middle name becomes their maiden name. Really? Yeah. What is that about? I don't know. I don't understand our own society. People are weird. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And so he he goes inside the high-rise, he gets in an elevator, and everything on the elevator malfunctions, and he hallucinates his girlfriend, and she does the, are you my sweet man, Kirby? (laughs) (laughs) And then he says the only sensible thing that one can say in that situation, he says, you're not real. (laughs) Well played. (laughs) Good job the one good line in this whole movie. <laughs> um he gets off the elevator and into uh kutcha's super fancy apartment which she calls a house um and uh she congratulates him because apparently he's the first one to make it this far and she even likes like did you see something you didn't like on the elevator well you're a brave man <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We find out that the Bakovics moved to Vancouver because Hans thought it would be cheaper to make movies there. I guess that is like a wink at something about the film industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah. And it was, Mm. of course, that episode was shot in Vancouver.
1: Ah, well, hey, that's good because for that
0: very reason.
1: Yeah, normally what happens is they shoot it in Vancouver and then say it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, fun fact: that was actually shot in Vancouver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That theater was actually in Vancouver too. Apparently, ah, the the
1: Vogue. Yeah, the Vogue. Yeah, very nice. Uh, she says that the stories, all the stories about the film are true, each and every one. Quote, <laughs> La fin, elle <est> vogue. <laughs> is no ordinary film. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, oh, really? We didn't know
1: that. Yeah, we hadn't gotten it at this point. <laughs> and, uh, and then Kirby says, quote, I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Okay.
0: (laughs) What a jerkweed. Yeah.
1: She says that Han said the... She asked about who produced the film. He said the producers of the film produced many other things, such as chaos, sorrow, suffering, and famine. Kirby says, (laughs) what does that mean? The devil? (laughs) (laughs) She says that he would tell her evil is evil. What does a name really matter?
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, thanks. All right. I'll take that as you don't know the answer. All right. So, producers. Okay. We got them too. Check. Uh,
1: Editors, terrible people. Check. Producers. (laughs) Yep. Oh, theater operators. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Let's see. Uh, We find out that in the last year of his life, Han spent all of his time watching the movie and it was too effective and it got inside of him. And then he one night decided to kill himself and her, uh, but only managed to kill himself and maim her. We see what I guess is supposed to be a scar on her neck.
0: hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that makes Katja the only female character in this movie to not be maimed on screen, but rather just be maimed off screen.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're watching this movie mature right before our very eyes.
1: <laughs> it's growing up so fast. <laughs> uh, she says that she hates the film and understands its power. She wishes it had never been made and asks, quote, Do you know what it's like to want to do penance for something but knowing it's too late? <laughs> flash to him finding his girlfriend dead in a
0: tub full of blood and then she gives him the reels for the movie yeah great yeah that was tough little trial
1: by fire there yeah he explains that he's been seeing the cigarette birds and she's like you're marked and uh that's how uh important the movie is and she lets him take the films away and she says it's already too late it's right. already too late.
0: And he says, I'm Audi 5000. <laughs>
1: yeah. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, what a weird interaction.
1: She was much better as a Klingon. Um, <laughs> Butt faced Klingon? Yep. <laughs> like someone sat on their forehead. <laughs> uh, he leaves and he brings the film to Bellinger, who gets real, like, Heavy breathing and touchy with the reels. Um, Kirby drives away while Bellinger is putting the reels into the projector and gets himself a front row seat in his private theater and pours himself a champagne. Yeah. Could have himself a nice little viewing. Very mm-hmm. cool. Really feels like a sh- cigar should go here, but you know,
0: whatever. That's all right.
1: Yeah. Cigar burns? No. <laughs> no. Nah. Uh he watches it and we get flashes of the movie and it's you know the super unimpressive thing that we've talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out it's a nine-inch nails video.
1: Yes, it does. It looks exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> it, yeah, we see Anthony Kiedis's cum gutters <laughs> and uh and belt collection. Whoa. Yeah. Um uh, meanwhile, Kirby makes it back to the Vogue, and there are chains on the doors, and the girl's dad is watching him whine about it from his car, and Kirby gets a call from Bellinger and says he's coming right now we see him drive away we see that he's being followed by Kirby's dad in a different car he gets there and Bellinger's butler is now shirtless and covered in dozens of cuts hmm. and he's carrying a little shitty letter opener that's supposed to look like a cool Chinese sword but does not
0: <laughs> there. and it's speech time <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, uh, he says I know what you want you want to see the movie I hope you get what you want what you deserve. And then he stabs himself in the eye, all the way down to the hilt, screaming. We watch him pull the letter opener out, and then he goes in for the other eye, and slowly his screaming turns into laughter while he digs it around in his eye socket.
0: <laughs> his eye socket, which is apparently goes all the way to the back of his skull. <laughs> yeah, it's a he's going for a
1: deep brain flossing. <laughs> It's pretty good. Look, it's actually a. Other than the shitty sword, it's pretty cool. True. Yeah it's it's very gratifying. Whenever he pulls it out, and then he's like, "And now for the other." Eye. <laughs> and we're just halfway there. <laughs> Not done yet, folks. <laughs> uh, Kirby makes it into the theater as the credits are rolling. Whew. Close. Um, He goes into the projector room where Bellinger is making a variety of diarrhea noises. (laughs) Uh, Bellinger says everything is all right as he sets down a bloody straight razor. Quote... You don't make as much money as I have without burying a few bobbies. I don't know why I did that accent. Um, <laughs> and Kirby says, Did you watch La <laughs> Thine Absolue de Monde? And he says, Yes, I highly recommend it. It's not a movie, however, it's a preview of the coming attractions of the soul. <laughs> God. <laughs> fucking. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um,. He says, in my case, it's a hell of an ending. Great. (laughs) What a great line. Um, He says that he called because he wanted Kirby to find another movie for him, which does not make sense because the credits are still rolling and just plain does not make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah yeah he says uh uh but he doesn't need that other movie anymore because he's been inspired to make his own movie and then we see him squishily pull out his own intestines and feed them into the projector yoinking them out as he goes so that it won't like tug on it and he so now the projector is displaying a movie of what light blown through his intestines looks like yes it's, it's a starring bellinger's dinner <laughs> yeah. it it looks really fake but is also kind of awesome and badass yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) uh the dad shows up uh uh and now he's got his gun out again and he's mad about things and uh he says a bunch of stuff about how he's been like waiting outside of the theater in a car and i never expected to get to that part in his life quote i didn't want to throw my life away but now who's gonna notice if i you know kill you around all of this stuff
0: yeah okay
1: okay Okay uh Kirby sees a cigarette burn that eclipses the screen, and he comes to. Uh, and time has elapsed. Apparently, he's now sitting in the theater in one of the seats, and he's covered in blood while La Fin Absolute Mond is playing. <laughs> um, and there's we get to see that bloody sky thing, which you know uh isn't the worst, but otherwise, this movie looks like the worst. The dad is also watching La at and we see someone cutting off the angel's wings while a woman is covered in barbed wire in a cell. Great.
0: Just an excuse to show more boobs. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, this movie has a weird relationship with uh, female nudity, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, outside, we see the now eyeballless butler bring the angel the key so it can unlock itself, and the angel reaches down and pets him on the ring of hair around the bald top of his head. <laughs> it's very strange.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um,. Back in the movie theater, a one of the fiery cigarette burns opens in the middle of the screen, screen and Kirby's naked and blood-drenched girlfriend walks out. Uh, we switch from the screen's perspective, and there's a close-up shot of her naked, blood-covered ass as she walks forward. Yep. Yep. She says, Daddy! And he says, Daddy's here! I'm so cold! And they hug, and then she says, I'm hungry! And then she eats him. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. (laughs) But then it turns out it's just a hallucination, folks. Great. (laughs) So so Kirby goes and stands directly in front of the dad's face and says, I see now. I understand. If we both can't let her go, it's like we're killing her over and over again. And then he crushes the dad's skull into the floor. Yeah, that that made no sense. It didn't make any sense. But then again, I don't think that watching the movie is supposed to make people die in a sensible manner.
0: Yeah, I guess he saw the movie and went crazy or something.
1: (laughs) Yep. Uh, He says, I love you. I'm sorry. And then kills himself. And then we see the angel has gathered up the reels of film. He walks past dead Kirby and says, thank you for this. (laughs) And Finn, la fin
0: de film,
1: <laughs> Dumont. Uh, that's that's the movie slash episode, folks. Yeah, that's a that's a movie. Wow, episode. Yeah, it's
0: it's something.
1: It is really something. Like I, I don't know. I, I guess I like the fact that it's like criticizing all of the different elements of the movie industry, but I maybe am just not like so far removed from being an industry insider that I don't get it.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean that part, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying there. I think my problem is like the, well, there's a couple of them, but one of the biggest problems, (laughs) I know the the visual style is terrible. It looks like shit. The lighting, it it just has that nineties look, even though it's mid two thousands.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it looks like it looks like, I don't know, someone ran it through a
0: ass. <laughs> yeah. And, and the screenplay is fucking terrible. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I I think the idea of it is that this
1: isn't supposed to be normal human interaction dialogue, that it's all supposed to be like heavily artistried, And I think part of that is that the movie is being critical of artistry in mm-hmm. some ways.
0: I mean it's a cool idea, yeah, um, it's just executed pretty badly,
1: yeah, I didn't like
0: it. uh, yeah yeah like the the most daunting part of the movie is when he's he's in that weird like rough trade s and m zorro scene that was yeah. that was much more daunting than whatever the fuck happened in the uh theater at the end, yeah, well, yeah. sort of i mean running your guts through it. A film a a movie projector is kind of kind of cool yeah
1: that that was see that was badass i liked that it it looked like shit you know it was obvious that he was pulling guts out of a trash can that was wearing pants but (laughs) it it was it was still pretty cool but the uh the uh (laughs) the hack and the head off scene while done very well like really really good practical effects and everything it also just like isn't the type of thing that i enjoy watching
0: no and, and I didn't understand the point of it either really yeah I think I mean I kind of do I think I guess he's just I don't know I no, I don't I guess <laughs> I think he's being I think that was him being critical of like torture porn yeah I guess so
1: and but then also he tied it in are they I guess this is not really John Carpenter's point as much as it is other people's but it was like tying that in with like
0: editors thinking that they are like God yeah it could be I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it's hard to see- yeah, it's like how much of this was some sort of inside wink and nod at the industry, yeah, um, which is something that no one else gives a shit about,
1: yeah yeah i I really don't know um on on first viewing it that that scene of them cutting the woman's head off made me so uncomfortable that um I started doing like some research that doing this podcast has led me to like i've i've struggled with like what is and is not okay to do artistically like what what value does censure censorship serve if Mm -hmm. it does serve one like where lines are i don't know the answers but this made me dig into it and one of the things that i dug into was a serbian film and um i didn't know the plot of that movie or anything and i read i read up on it and um one of the things that I read about was like the director and they had like quotes of, from the director about what the movie was about and why the mm-hmm. movie was important and mm-hmm. the types of things that he said were like almost exactly the things that this fucking machete Zorro says <laughs> and this movie predates that by several years oh, wow that's, that's crazy. crazy yeah I was like oh wow okay <laughs> I guess that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah but but yeah so like i mean this movie's like it's it's criticizing i guess it's definitely criticizing the industry you know like producers editors i guess theater operators maybe even criticizing
0: projectionists
1: and archive people
0: yeah and maybe it's just kind of a tongue in cheek like taking the piss kind of thing oh that would make more sense <laughs> you know like it's kind of a piss take but it's also a critique of the industry yeah. Um, it's hard to say because I don't know, you know, I don't know where, where Mick Garris's head is at, but uh, at the hair salon, apparently. Oh, give Sings me a <laughs> Hey, yo.
1: <laughs> I do so much to it, but it just drops,
0: you know? <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, it's a cool idea. It's a, it's an idea that's been covered in several films, as you had mentioned, like Antrim. And what was the other one you'd mentioned? Uh, 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 Sinister and The mm, Ring. Yeah. You know, and it, it, this idea of having, you know, you know, like this this, this piece of cursed film or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting idea. And uh, it's been kind of explored to varying degrees of quality. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and this is a really interesting take on it. You know, like the it is. Uh, the others, each each one does its own thing, um, and and this one's thing is is pretty neat. It's um, just it's just way more TV quality than the others.
0: Yeah, it's got a lot. You know, it's got a lot of cool ideas. I mean, the idea of the angel, but you know, with with an hour, you don't have time. Like, how did he capture it? You know, where. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to kind of get into there that they just don't have the time to cover. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I, I guess that's also like one of the things they're criticizing is like nutty, wealthy movie collector people.
0: Yeah. How ruthless they are.
1: Yeah. And like what, what is sacrificed in the sake of creating movie art? I mean, that's one of the things, you know, the, the angel is literally mutilated for the sake of art and, Every single woman in this movie is either uh, uh, is abused, murdered, maimed, uh, or driven to suicide. And all of it is for the benefit of the
0: male artists around them. That's true. So because I I was I had been thinking that maybe all that, you know, I mean, as is often the case, all that violence towards women was just. It's just violence towards women. It's just like commonplace in in you know American culture. But uh No, I think you're right. I think there was probably more of a commentary on it.
1: Possibly. I mean it's it's really hard to say, especially with horror cinema. Like it's really hard to tell the difference sometimes. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's like, well, no, you have to understand that when he cut her head off, I meant it in a good way. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) We weren't objectifying
1: her naked body because she was covered in blood. You (laughs) say that's exactly. (laughs) So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a questionable one. I mean, it's, it's mostly, most of the scenes are kind of enjoyable to watch. I enjoy I'm glad to have seen it. I, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed thinking about it. Um, it's really rough to do research on this because there's not a whole lot of information
0: out there about it. No, there really isn't. Uh, surprisingly, it wasn't made that long ago. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a while ago, but you know, it, it, it 2000s anyway.
1: Yeah. But it's kind of in that like movie making dark ages where it's, uh, it's like right before the, the uh, re- recession and, like right at the beginnings of the internet where like a lot of stuff has been lost and it's still not old enough to really be considered like a classic. So people haven't done historical diving or anything.
0: And the quality of horror films has taken a global revival since, since since that time period. Yeah. I mean, it's really horror is, is in a little golden age here, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. There's really
1: great stuff coming out all the time.
0: I mean, it's just shit that i think people are going to be talking about for a long time. Yeah, i just rewatched Saint Maud last night. Yeah, it's <laughs> held up.
1: Oh yeah, it's fantastic. It's yeah. it's it's great. I
0: have like cravings for that movie. It's a beautiful film, I mean. Yes, yeah. it's, it's uh we should cover it.
1: We should. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm ready to talk about it yet.
0: No, we don't have to do it. Yeah, but at some point we should cover it. I, I completely agree. But John, what about, what about, what about, what about this movie? Um, <laughs> say,
1: if you had to uh, uh, rate this film slash episode of a TV series on a scale of zero to five loathsome things, how many loathsome things would you give it?
0: i give it a two and a half. Damn. Uh, Why? Is that what you did too? Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird. I think it's because we just, I think we just kind of see a lot of this stuff in a similar way. I think so. (laughs) I think as time goes on there, we're going to find some movies where we have different opinions that are just for whatever reasons, but things like this, I think we both kind of, we kind of see it roughly the same way. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like. I, okay, I'll, I guess we'll we'll give our reasons and see how they match up. But you know, like like I, I gave it a two and a half because a three just a three says I you know I'm just I'm completely on board as far as recommending it. Less than three means I could still recommend it with caveats, mm-hmm. and and I would definitely put this movie in that camp. Um, I I do recommend it, uh, particularly if you're say a Carpenter fan or a Garris fan, or or just a horror fan in general. Um it, it probably is something you've already seen if if you're any of those people. Yeah. Um but if not you should definitely watch it. Uh beyond that if you're just a person that likes to watch entertaining shows and stuff it's probably not going to be something you enjoy. Yeah. Uh it's 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 a little too genre y for the average person. It's really made for a horror fan almost exclusively. Yeah. I mean it's okay but what do you would you think?
1: Uh I mean yeah it's uh I feel like it's it's a cool iteration on the idea of the cursed movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liked the the presentation of of that. I liked the the basic ideas of it. I um, I thought that when when the movie was firing on all cylinders, it like hit really good notes. Even with like you know there were some obvious budget constraints there, but that's okay. I don't hold budget against a movie, um, right? And and so I thought it was it was really good. It it did a lot with the with what it had but it also feels like uh 40 minute episode that was stretched out to an hour and yeah. um it was a little bit i guess it's like you know how whenever you like take your first two classes in a artistic topic in college and you feel like you know a whole lot about it and it's so good and (laughs) you're like an expert on it. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's that kind of heady, like (laughs) like someone that just finished film studies too. And they're like, oh man, I'm going to really nail it to the wall with this. (laughs) And and then, you know, it's just, of course, like derivative and kind of cringy it 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 falls somewhere in there it's um it's definitely good it's yeah like you said for carpenter fans but also really good if you're the type of person that enjoys uh horror anthologies like this True. is one of the like gold nuggets for horror anthology uh people if you're like researching things or just love love a good short horror thing um it's it's just kind of all over the place. It's sometimes boring. I guess it's also good if you're a big Norman Reedus fan. You can see where, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: load up the spank bank, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's uh, it's you know, it's yeah, yeah. I mean that the whole series is that way. Obviously, it's you know, each episode probably had a comparable budget, and. Yeah, uh, they they're all gonna have those similar production values, but you've got you know, you've got good people in there. You've got well, good uh talented people. Because uh, <laughs> uh, John Landis is one of them. Oh. <laughs> he's he's a bad person. So uh, John Landis, you know, McGarris, Joe Dante, uh of course Carpenter, uh got Lucky McKee. McKee. Yeah, yeah, Andy yeah.
1: McKee
0: got uh, yeah. <laughs> Andy McDowell. <laughs> yeah gosh Takeshi Mike and yeah. uh and and others and by the way the t- Takeshi Mike one is fucking phenomenal it's so strange um it's very Takeshi Mike in that it's very transgressive and strange but also very unique and only something that only he can pull off uh he he, he this is that story is a good example of taking you know a limited budget and kind of having the freedom to just do something crazy, which, you know, isn't a problem for him and just doing whatever the hell he wants with it because it's just a, it's just an episode in an anthology series. So why not? And that's what he does. And it's, it's totally effective. I don't think Showtime aired it because it was too intense. (laughs) Oh, for Um, real? Yeah, I think so, but it's, it's great.
1: Oh, that sounds awesome.
0: Yeah. It's not, I don't know. It's, it reminds – it always – when I think about it, it always reminds me of the uh, the short from the uh, – I think it's the ABCs of horror where the guys go to the – that that place with the torture. It's like the torture sex show thing. <laughs>
1: which <laughs> – is that? I think you think – I think that's uh, Three Extremes, right? Oh, is it in Three
0: Extremes? Is that what it was? I think so.
1: Because the ABC – you're talking about the ABCs of death, which like each one is like six minutes.
0: Oh yeah, that's too short. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're talking about yeah the the one where like the guy has to masturbate or die. Yes, yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, re- it always kind of it kind of reminds me of that one.
1: Fucking amazing.
0: It's not yeah. It's not that's not this obviously the conceit in this one, but it's no. it's, it's you know but it kind of reminds me. <laughs> <or die> movie. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole sub genre. Okay, check it out! I've been thinking about making a masturbator die movie. Dude, I just got the newest one, masturbator die six. <laughs> masturbator die, slapping it with the melty hand. Well, I guess it's ejaculator die, right? Ooh, that's true. Because <laughs> masturbating is whatever, but yeah. it has to actually pay off, or else you die.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't that the idea? Because he's under you know he has to watch this horrible stuff and if he doesn't get off they kill him yeah
1: that's evil that's pure evil Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) japan folks (laughs) (laughs) i've recently been learning about japan and uh or it's um it's a pre-world war ii history and oh god
0: Land of the Rising. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) I used to say, oh, man, Italy was terrible. And it's like, oh, no.
0: (laughs) Italy is quaint and pastoral in comparison. (laughs) Just, oh, my
1: God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Cinema. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Is that why the butler was here?
0: They're like, well, we have to uh, at least nod towards this. And <laughs> make a nod towards uh, Asian transgression. Yeah. I don't know. come to the Mr. Beringer.
1: and I <laughs> feel like I, I feel like the him stabbing himself in the eyes was like a, a Harry Carey thing, like but but like horror movie, and it's just not not really right there.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, Fung would be uh, probably a Chinese name.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that uh, was supposed to be a, I guess, a Chinese letter
0: opener, or at least depending on how you spell it. <laughs> I worked with a guy named Fung, but he was Vietnamese. So, uh, uh, yeah. There you have it. Yeah, welcome to America. Wow, man, land of opportunity.
1: <laughs> we said a lot of weird things today. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is. Thanks for tuning into our final episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just before cancellation, <laughs>
0: it's okay. We're not going to lose our funding or anything.
1: Yeah, our backers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we might. We got the one backer.
1: <laughs>
0: no more Star Wars ads for us. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I mean, start.
1: Doctor Who's my, <laughs> my favorite battle star.
0: Oh my god.
1: Uh, I like that this is the episode where we got as many things as possible wrong. St. <laughs> Tropez, folks, visit. Beautiful St. Tropas. I'm so cultured. Ooh, so yeah. that is that is a a combined five out of ten loathsome things, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Yeah, that means you could you should see it, but if you don't, it's okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. Um, I haven't seen any of the other uh, episodes slash movies from from this series, but I think I'm gonna. They run the gamut for sure. Some of them are pretty good. Most of them aren't great, but uh, they're they're most of them are at least watchable. Yeah.
1: If you ever used to like at the you know at the end times go and like peruse the um, uh, fucking DVDs at uh, Hollywood Video, you'll probably recognize the cover of these like the the
0: frame around mm-hmm. and be like, oh yeah, yeah. Or as I call it, the John Leguizamo uh, department. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> that makes sense.
0: God, fucking idiot, knows everything. <laughs> he
1: he really was. Spawn that masterpiece. Wow. <laughs> um, if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you have more things you would like to say about this movie,
0: John? Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything. I think we've <laughs> I think we've beaten this one into the ground. John, what is your third most favorite john carpenter movie oh wow okay uh okay (laughs) (laughs) i can do this yeah well halloween is my favorite i just i can't help it and then um after that ah man i really like prince of darkness so good um i don't know if that would be second or third and then my third favorite let me see what would be the third one i'm pulling up a list now i'm cheating Oh God. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the thing second. Okay. And, uh, I'm just going to go with Prince of darkness for third. Cause I fucking love that movie so much. Oh yeah. They, I... Those, those could all be after number two, those could change out at any given moment, <laughs> but one and two are pretty firm for me. Number two. <laughs> pretty number two number is
1: two.
0: <laughs> I got a pretty firm number two. How about you? <laughs>
1: I have no idea. I asked the question, but I wasn't ready to answer it. I'm going to go ahead and say They Live is probably my third favorite John Carpenter movie with no idea of what number two is, because number one is The Thing.
0: Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's hard because some of them are just so, I mean, Christine was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like The Fog, even though it's probably not one of his best movies, but I still like it a lot.
1: Christine, uh, fun fact, the only time John Carpenter directed a Stephen King adaptation.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I like that movie. I mean, it's, you know, again, it's not my favorite, but I really enjoy it. Um, you know, his later stuff, I don't like a lot. Uh, that one with Amber Heard uh, is fucking terrible. And then the Ghost of Mars is like, what? <laughs> Dude, what? What is this like Marilyn Manson demon on Mars? Yeah, that one was pretty bad. Uh, I, that vampires movie that he did, not great. He did Village of the Damned, right? That was pretty good. I think so. God, it's hard. He's got a he's done a lot of movies. Jesus Christ, Village of the Damned was really good. His first movie's good too. Dark Star, the comedy. Yeah, movie. I just recently watched that for the first
1: time this year. That's good stuff. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, let's see he's only directed thirty-two movies. I say that because I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> only thirty-two movies, folks. Oh, Precinct Thirteen. That was great too. Oh yeah. Assault on Precinct Thirteen, yeah. Escape from New York. Yeah. Of course, okay, yeah. 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 Oh, oh big Trouble, Trouble in Little, Little China. China. Oh my
0: god, I love that movie so much. I don't know. Vampires, Ghosts of Mars, Yikes. Oh, he did yeah, another Masters of Horror. Oh, did oh for the second season, I guess. I yeah, guess he did. So. Uh, uh, what was it called? The, that one's real bad, if I remember correctly. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> of course, we have to do it now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about it. Like, uh, they live is kind of like this. This movie we just watched is kind of reminiscent of it in its like crazy, ridiculous way of of over the top symbolizing things Mm -hmm. um yeah he's good at that yeah also folks go go out there and watch um the pervert's guide to ideology uh it's a slash of zizek uh okay um, right movie where he uses uh uses famous scenes from movies to talk about how ideology uh is in the way of everything hmm And he has a whole thing about that crazy fight between uh, between (laughs) Rowdy Roddy. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) The
0: uh, endless fight.
1: Yeah, it's like nine minutes long and it's just they're punching the shit out of each other so that one guy doesn't have to wear sunglasses.
0: (laughs) It's such a wonderful moment (laughs) in in cinema history. It
1: is. It is top notch. (laughs) John Carpenter (laughs) is an amazing man. I do love him, so.
0: Cody Carpenter is an adequate composer. <laughs> I guess. I'm assuming that was that was one of his kids that, that toured with him when he was touring, you know, with the soundtrack music. Um, and he had a, a band behind him, essentially, and like, at least a couple of them were his kids, if I remember correctly. Oh, I have no idea. This is something I'm still kicking myself for not seeing, where they would show you know, clips from the, you know, like scenes from the movies. And then they would play the music live that corresponded to the, to those movies. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Apparently it was really, really cool. Did they call it the
1: Carpenters? (laughs) They should have, but no, I don't think so. Damn it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't realize, uh, yeah, Cody Carpenter is the, the son of John Carpenter and Adrian Barbeau.
0: Oh, okay. Right on. Wow. Cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. so go ahead and now that you've listened to us talk about this and so many other things, uh, (laughs) go ahead and leave us a rating and review so that other people can find us and listen to us talk about this movie and all the other things that we felt like talking about, like Stephen King books or... Uh... Mick Garris, to, yeah, Mick Garris, and his hair. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably rate and review us on whatever it is that you're listening to us on. But if not, you could go to iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and rate us over there, um, and help other people find our podcast. You can also suggest unto us a movie for us to watch and review on an episode uh, or otherwise talk to us about things. Uh, but you can do that by reaching out to us on Twitter and Instagram at Loathsome Pod or on Facebook at Loathsome Thing.
0: Get with it. I don't know. Uh, OK, yeah, I was I was
1: like, is that is that what we're going to go out on?
0: I don't know. I didn't. I just I couldn't think of anything else. I mean, the spirit filled you. Yeah, get with the program, y'all.
1: <laughs> let's try some other ones. Let's keep it going.
0: Mostly yeah, sunny. <laughs> Cocoa nuts.
1: A hundred and fifty percent of your daily recommended value.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: All right, folks, go watch horror movies. Bye 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 bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>